Hello and welcome to an impromptu Sunday lazy afternoon podcast sitting here on the banks of this undisclosed little lake out here in the middle of Wilton, California, just a little slice of paradise just kind of hidden away, tucked away amongst all the uh, Trump 2020 banners and, uh, you know, choose Jesus billboards along the country road to get here. We come out to this little, just little oasis, this, uh, well, it's clo- it's a clothing optional retreat. This is where I live. This is basically where I live. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of like camped out on the side of the, the lake here. This morning I woke up, hopped in a kayak at the dock, and just started paddling my happy ass all over this little lake. And I, I looked at, you know, as, as I cut through the water, the, each paddle created like this little cyclone of water. And it made me think of this stupid-ass song that we had to sing <clears throat> like in third grade, our music teacher, Mrs. Reebson, who was just this kind of nut who I think was some kind of Manchurian candidate that was thrust upon us by, I don't know, the government or our parents or something to uh, introduce us to the recorder. But anyway, she made us sing this song it was a it was a native american type song it went my paddles keen and bright flashing like silver follow the wild goose flight dip dip and swing and i thought it was so like ceremonial or just very ominous but anyway as i cut through the water this morning there's a little island I call it Goose Shit Island over there because it's inhabited by goose, by geese, and you can hear them all day, all night. And I don't know, it must be mating season or something, but anyway, it's just fascinating to sit here and look out over the banks. And just, if I decide I want to go shoot, a recurve bow at some targets. I just gotta hike my happy ass onto the uh, around the other side of the lake. I can launch a few arrows. Um, what's interesting about this place, though, it's uh, it's it's in such a conservative little pocket of the county, and once you come through the gates, it's like you just enter some kind of like parallel dimension where, like. In is out and up is down and black is white. Like, I have to believe most of these people out here are pretty conservative anyway. There's people who live out here as well. They've actually got entire houses that they renovate and build additions to. And uh, you can rent. They've got a hotel, kind of a hotel thing on the other side of the lake. They've got little bungalows over on my side of the lake. Um, I've got a restaurant out here. It's not open right now, but 
<clears throat> no worries. But, uh, but yeah, everyone's naked. Yeah, like it's uh, like it's just another thing. Like nobody really gives a shit. And I think some of that too, though, is the fact that it's like an older community. Like I'm probably the youngest out here, and I'm fifty, so that tells you anything. But they don't. Yeah, that's what it is. Is like they've gotten to the point in their lives where it's like they don't give a shit. It's like I'm old. My body's a train wreck. Who gives a fuck? Like, I like running around with no clothes on. You know? There's nude kayaking. There's nude archery. There's nude volleyball. There's nude dining. There's nude lawn mowing. There's nude... You name it out here. Uh, tennis. Um, they've got a sauna. They've got ping pong. They've got horseshoes. They've got billiards. Um, it's insane. Nude, nude tennis, nude working out, <laughs> nude fitness. Yeah. So, so I come out here and I, and I kind of delusionally convince myself I'm going to train for like my, my midlife crisis. Um, which is, well, I was considering kayaking the length of the Mississippi, but it's already been done. But that's not to say I wouldn't do it. I still wouldn't do it, you know. But it's just, it's become now kind of a a mundane thing, and I'm looking for a unique challenge and or something kind of, I don't know, a little more midlife crisis-y. I mean, that's pretty good, but it's not great. So, I'll probably do the Iditarod or something. But it's, so I come out here and I, you know, I paddle my, paddle my freaking bony ass up and down this, this lake. And, uh, but it, it kind of maybe beyond just the mere, fact that I'm in a nudist colony, you know, it's also like, um, you know, this, it's just this interesting little paradox of a place to be, but it, 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 it's the newer version, maybe of ecotourism, maybe not ecotourism, although there is a bit of that out here, but despite the conservative element, um, what's the right terminology like kind of weekend warriorism like you know there isn't a lot of I don't you know we get we get so locked into this like mode of thought like I've got to do this for X amount of time so that I can afford to do this for a certain amount of time meaning I need to work this job and bide, bide my time so that I get that two weeks where I can go take off and, and go do something in an automobile and drive through somewhere and be exhausted um, and go to all the spots that the book told me to go to 
only to get back to my my life in a cubicle and start the whole process over with but out here it's like i can i can live like a freaking homeless person but i'm you know but i I do it in the comfort of like all this beauty and just this insane like these naked people everywhere like i just came out here looking for a place to camp that was cheap and it's super cheap but but it's like a weird it's like a it's like the it's like a modified version of booze and buddies like there's a there's a little catch so but it's fascinating and it's cool to go there's so many trails of hike out back out to the river the Cosumnes river backs in and um and everyone's pretty cool you know like even during the pandemic like there's still people that you know you see one or two people out here wearing a mask but it's nobody stigmatizes that or vice versa i mean they have their requirements and their um the mandatory um you know indoors masks indoors and so forth but but nobody really kind of like uh emboldens any discourse on it like there's no you know us versus them out here it's like you came out here to do your thing do your thing just let your freak flag fly <laughs> it is weird but it, but you know but outside this world okay so when you leave the gates you go out into the real world like i remember like oh my god I've got a play. I I I recorded an earlier podcast where this guy Jerry, who works for a trailer company, services trailers. So there's a lot of trailers, a lot of modular units out here. So he services them, and he came. He said he came out here one day and he couldn't believe what he saw. Well, I mean, what do you mean? And Christina's like, well. John has a membership. <laughs> like, so, but it's like such a, uh, it's such a uh, taboo thing for no reason at all. Like, again, like nobody's out here winning any kind of like fitness contest or body sculpting, you know, match of any sort. Like, they don't give a fuck. And, What's interesting, though, is they found Kerry Stainer out here, the, the guy that was did all the Yosemite killings. He came out here, I guess, to lay low. But somebody somebody in here recognized him and then alerted the authorities. Crazy, but, yeah, it's 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 that isolated. It's so, it's so uh, I don't know, it's kind of a hidden hidden gem. I've, um, people have found, you know, like, Local radio, I remember hearing the DJs uh, on 98 Rock talk about or took a call from a nudist and they were so fascinated the mere notion. And I guess, I mean, I guess it is kind of interesting take on things, you know. I just feel like I got to be nude all the time. But again, it's like this is what we arrived with. This is our body. 
is what God gave us. If you, even if you're, it's for you're like some kind of moral. If you feel like there's some kind of moral turmoil, moral, uh, personal, uh, you know, conflict within your own morality, like this is what God gave you, and uh, it's really an insult to even wear clothes, if you ask me. So, but that that so that kind of segues into. Um, kind of segues into what happened when I got back up to Humboldt County, okay, and, uh, and how I, how I became an (laughs) eco-tourist, yeah, of all things, well, not an eco, not a tourist, I mean, again, like, I I do things in a weird kind of semi-manageable, uh, but always kind of creative and, uh, the way I execute things is bizarre but so so I I was living back up in Humboldt County and um, I was seeing a girl at the time this was Misty and I met her at working in the mail room of the town newspaper the Eureka Times Standard and she was uh she's kind of quirky and weird and she had another job at a cafe so at in the evenings I'd hang out over there and then she lived in like this loft above the coffee shop so that's where I would sleep a lot and um so we just got we yeah we started seeing each other and hit it off really well and ended up getting a place together one that uh was, to- it was so old school right right in the heart of eureka and they had a, they had a murphy bed that like it pivoted out from the wall like you could twist it around it, it was a mirrored wall during the day and you twist it around and it became your bed it just this this frame would just come down on these like compression springs and uh f- fall to the floor and there's your bed bam so it had like a little like a stoop, like one of those old school like New York apartment stoops that you could sit out on with like ladders coming up, you know, going to the next floor above you or down below. It was cool. It it, it was like it was like a picture of like it was like seeing a some kind of like fashion photography picture of like Paul Newman in the 50s, like that's where he would live. So or James Dean some bullshit and uh so so we were yeah we were we were a thing we were even in the process of uh her dad had her dad had purchased a house so we ended up ultimately living in the house and but it was kind of an in progress house like there was like there's so much there's painting that needed to be done like the furniture was just all whacked the table the table was like warped it looked like it looked like it looked like the ends were like mid-flight like if you were dumbo you know it was really strange and i don't know why he gave us that but it was all this kind of this kind of this, 
I don't know. She was really, really nice. And I don't know. Years later, after I, after I, after we broke up, I was doing cabinet work in um, downtown San Francisco. And um, I'd parked in like a, an alleyway of this loft that I was that was being renovated with um, these cabinets. And I came down. I swear I came down to go get something out of my pickup, and I swear she was walking through the alleyway. I swear to God, but because she had always wanted to go down to San Francisco, like. She, I think she said she even lived there briefly for a year and then it didn't work out so she came back up to Eureka but so that's who I'd spend my days with and my nights at work working in the mail room um, that was a weird job mostly it wasn't like the traditional mail room like you'd see some young kid pushing around like this basket on wheels and giving people mail and shit. It wasn't anything like that. It was, this was like in the, in the back end of the whole newspaper. It was where they inserted the circulars into the newspaper itself. The machinery, the press, printing it, you know, the whole conveyor belt system that's running up through the printers coming up into our station where... You would have these machines you'd be feeding, like, you know, these circulars into. And so you would just do the entire day's run. It, you know, you'd start 5 a.m. You know, you'd have to get it out by, like, 6 a.m. or so, if I, if I remember right. And uh, And then in the evenings, we would just do our, I mean... You know, it was pretty unglamorous. I don't know where I was going. Still probably writing, but mm, fairly directionless. But I was employed by the Time Standard. That was a start. It was kind of, you know, had the initial ingredients of some cliche tale about somebody who works their way up from the mailroom, which I had latched on to and just wasn't really, you know, kicking into the second or third gear yet. But lo and behold, so my sister also uh, went to Humboldt State. She was uh, uh, two years behind me. And so her freshman year, she lived in some apartments. Was her freshman year? No. Sophomore year? I don't know. She'd been there a couple years by now. And my ex-girlfriend... Who? That's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast too. But she was Australian, and she was coming from from Australia. I, I, she was my first girlfriend in high school, and she lived in California at the time. But she was Australian. She went back to Australia after she graduated from high school, and that was that. That was the end of. It was the end of. Uh, the end of us, but it was a good, it was a good run. It, we were together for most of my senior year, if I recall. We had a lot, a lot of fun, and a lot of fun. But, um, but yeah, 
life happens. She had to go back to Australia. Her dad was in the Royal Australian Air Force, and he was being sent back. So after uh, high school, she went back to Canberra, Canberra, Australia, the federal capital of Australia. And I moved on with school and the rest of my life. And then, lo and behold, when she finished her university, she decided she was going to uh, travel, um, I guess, for a year or so. I don't know, six months, something like that. And her first stop was in Humboldt County. Of all places. So. So like an idiot. Uh, I bring my girlfriend with me. To meet up with her and my sister. Because she knew my sister. She was mutual friends with both of us. And uh, we had dinner. My sister's apartment. And hit it off and reacquainted. And got excited about. Um, going. Uh, to Europe. <laughs> In the course of about two hours. Uh, with the help of a couple of beers, and um, just kind of picked up where we left off, and it was a, the weirdest evening I've had at that point in my whole life. So, lo and behold, uh, we were in the process, Misty and I, uh, my lovely girlfriend at the time, were in the process of moving south to Sacramento. And so... We did that, <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking because this was literally like three or four days after my ex-girlfriend had flown in from Australia. So here I am, um, leaving for Sacramento, leaving Humboldt County for back to Sacramento. This is like some kind of weird like Jack Kerouac story, you know? Back and forth, back and forth. Humboldt County, Sacramento, Humboldt County, Sacramento, Denver, Larimer Square, Larimer Street, Aspen, Vale, Pennsylvania, New York. Son of a bitch. But uh, but what it uh, what it what it ended up happening was about oh three quarters of the way into I I think I was somewhere, somewhere near Woodland. So we're about four hours into the trip. I just decided at a rest stop that it'd be a good time to really offer her the opportunity to not pursue this relationship with me anymore. And that didn't go over that well. And she was crushed and devastated. And I felt horrible. And when we got to Sacramento, because we were almost already there, she told me that she'd have to call her dad to come get her and recommended I not be around when that happened. So I took her advice and I went to go see Dumb and Dumber and I laughed hysterically, but I was still very invested in the heartbreak of this poor young girl. And I swear to God, when I thought I'd seen her four years later in downtown San Francisco, I swear to God, I thought I was, my heart was just going to leap out of its, my rib cage here and I was just going to have a heart attack. Like I, uh, if she, if it was her and if she saw me, I think she probably would have gasped as well. But I don't know. I didn't stick around to find out. I went back into the building and went back to work. And, um, but yeah, she was, she, it was like a seven or eight month deal. You know, 
maybe almost a year. Her parents really liked me. Her dad probably didn't like me much after that. Um, he was a really big guy too. Like he probably would have like um, done some damage to somebody if I was around. But, 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 but what had happened was what had happened was I got talked into going to Europe by my ex-girlfriend and we were going to backpack like a couple of you know the, that cliched that wandering rucksack that beatnik hippie organic got a got a ruffled copy of on the road in my backpack thing going on and um And I, I thought, I think I agreed. To, well, no, you know what it was. I didn't agree right away. I didn't want to. No, she was she, she was just stopping over. So she visited my sister. Then she was going to visit her friend Emily, in Iowa of all places, before she took off for uh, London. For London, that's where. That's right. And what happened was now I'm in Sacramento. Uh, my uh, current girlfriend at the time is now my ex and my ex is somewhere in between Sacramento and Iowa and so that's when I got a call I remember she called me and said that she um she was in love with me still so that's where that's how I ended up going to London, England. She came all the way back to Sacramento. Instead of going out to London, she uh from Iowa, she doubled back to Sacramento. We got jobs working at Tower Books, um when it was still a place. And um to to save money to go to Europe. And um oh my god. That was fun. It was a fun job, but that was when it was that was when minimum wage was four twenty five an hour. I used to work forty hours a week for two full weeks. After taxes, I would take home three hundred and one dollars every two weeks. Just criminal, criminal. But I didn't do a lot, and I sometimes would smoke pot, and I didn't really organize my section. So Russ Solomon, who went tits up a few years ago. Go fuck yourself, because his theory was, why do I need to pay more than minimum wage? I expect him to steal from me. So, I never stole, but, well, anyway. So that's where, uh, that's where we worked for a few months to save up money, and with a plane ticket to London, England, by way of New York, I was about to take off. She... Um, uh, let's see. She had left, I think a week before me. No, not a week. A day or two. I don't know. Oh, hell. And I loaded up a big backpack, sleeping bag, some shoes that were like, more like boots, but shoes. They're like shoe boots. And they were like, one... I don't know what was wrong with my foot, but like my right foot, 
I think the shoes were too small and it was a bad idea but I think those are the only ones I brought I think I had two changes of clothes and um, some horn rim glasses I started that trend this is 95 by the way and uh, 24 years old I'm boarding a plane for London, England and uh I'm going to camp my way across. I'm going to ride my thumb across Europe via London, England. Unforgivable. Oh, I also managed to save about save about save up about $600 for this whole trip. We were going to be gone for 6 months. I should be all right. It should be fine. Um I got a I I've got a plane ticket back. You know, worst comes worst, I've always got a ride home. So my dad took me down to San Francisco and put me on a plane. San Francisco? I think it was. Yeah. It's kind of emotional. But my ex-girlfriend, who is now my new girlfriend, my recurring theme girlfriend, was a day ahead of me on her way to London. And here I am on my way. Everyone buckle up. It's going to get dicey. All right. Peace out. Subscribe if you want. I don't care. Love you guys. Bye.